Good morning. Um, so when Pastor Sean started talking to us and sharing his vision about what he wanted to see today in this service and what he felt like God was directing, um, I began to pray and ask God to share with my heart exactly what it was that he wanted for us to observe about Hannah and her barren situation. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about Hannah, and it, her story is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to kind of summarize. Hannah was married to Elkanah, who also had another wife, Penina, who gave him several children. However, Hannah was barren. Every year, they would travel to Shiloh, and they would travel to worship and sacrifice to the Lord at the tabernacle. And every year, Hannah would pray for God to give her a son. For years, year after year after year, she did not conceive. Because of this, Peninnah taunted her and made fun of her that she couldn't have children. Um, I'm going to pick up here and read 1 Samuel 1, 11 through 18 out of the New Living Translation. It says, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, he, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. And as I was reading through this story and prayerfully thinking through it, um, I first thought about my own personal situation when we started to pray for a child after Amelia. And we, um, you know, we prayerfully decided that it was time. We wanted her to have a sibling. And through that situation, Things did not work out as quickly as I wanted them to. Um, we, you know, prayed and prayed, and I asked God, why, 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 why is this not working? You know, we, we thought that this was what you wanted for us. Um, and as you all know, I have a spitfire little man that runs around and um, has a giant personality. So God did answer that prayer for my family and, and see that need. But I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper from that. I didn't necessarily feel like it was there that God was stopping. I actually started to dig and think about going through seasons of not physical barrenness, but spiritual barrenness. Um, and the definition of barrenness is being devoid or lacking. So there are times that all of us, I know myself personally, I can say for myself, have went through seasons of barrenness in our lives spiritually. Seasons where we have a need before the Lord. Times when we feel like God isn't hearing us. Or times when we're asking God, why? Why not? 
Why did you do this? Or why did you not do this? Or why can't I have this? God, you see, I want this so bad. And we go through those times where we have a feeling of devoid or lacking or barrenness. So many times when we have something that we're asking the Lord for, we can get discouraged. Right? By either the devil or the circumstance in front of you, it taunts you. It makes it hard to remain faithful, hopeful, and trustful in God's promises. Uh, whether we are praying for spiritual conception concerning God's plans for our lives, God's direction in certain situations, salvation for loved ones, or issues that we may struggle with, uh, such as anxiety, depression, physical disease, we must remain steadfast. I know that there has to be something in your heart, in your mind, that you have been carrying with you through this series that Pastor Sean has been preaching on prayer. That we all have something that we've got laid before God. And the thing is, it's not always going to come to pass when you want it or when I want it. I did not um, conceive Elijah right when I decided I wanted to, but it came in time. That's where I saw God leading me with this. Year after year, Hannah went, sacrificed, and prayed. She continued to leave her pleas before the Lord, yet the other wife continued to taunt her to complete and total frustration. It made it hard for Hannah to keep hope. However, she continued fasting and praying. This time, God heard her. And I thought, okay... For years, Hannah had went to the tabernacle. She had been obedient. She had prayed. She had been faithful. Why this time? What was it about this time that God heard her and, and, and gave her the desire of her heart? So I continued to read that, read through those scriptures again over and over. And I'm like, Lord, why? What was it about this time? And then I, I realized when I read verse 18, it hit me. It said, Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat, and she was no longer sad. This happened well before they left Shiloh and she conceived Samuel. She felt joy. She broke her fast. She ate. She found peace. She found happiness. She found joy there at that altar in the tabernacle well before God allowed her to conceive Samuel. And I thought, that's why. She was able to see through that pain. She was able to deal through that pain and say, you know what, God, if I never, if I never have a child, I have you. I have your peace. I have your joy. I have a good husband. You've blessed me with air in my body, a home. I have you. And so for that, I have peace. And she left and was no longer sad. She had persistent prayer and faithfulness that allowed God to give her peace in her situation. Now, ultimately, she had Samuel. Ultimately, we know exactly what the end of the story is. We know God is going to give us victory in his way. There will always be victory because he is the victor. But when it still hurts and when it's still hard and you're still wading through the pain of it, there is peace. There is joy. There is hope in those moments. 
I want to end with this. Through Hannah's persistent prayer, one of the greatest prophets of Israel was birthed. Lives were changed. Had she given up and walked away because of discouragement and taunting, that man of God may not have came into this world. We have to push through in prayer in the altar for God to show up in our season of barrenness and for him to move in whatever situation that we have before him, be it physical sickness, be it emotional or mental illness, anxiety, depression. I dealt with that crippling anxiety. Those things, lay them before him because he will move in those places of barrenness. He is here today and we are expecting great great things in the altar and God will meet you. He will help you persevere if you will take the first step. You know, I want to thank the church and thank Pastor Sean and the staff for giving me the opportunity. I, I can tell you this, I am an answered prayer. Yes. Uh, my family, my friends could tell you that before I came to this church, they were Wondering if I could even hold my head up, honestly. Because 2019 was the worst year that I've ever endured in my life. And, and that's exactly where Moses was at. You know, he, he had just came back from having what he felt was the greatest probably spiritual experience he had been through. And the fact that he had been given the Ten Commandments by the finger of God. And he comes down from the mount and he finds who he thought to be his friends worshiping other things. And unfortunately, we all end up worshiping. And, and when we say the word idol, everybody in here immediately begins to think of something that you've put before the Lord. Right, right. And, and so it picks up here in uh, chapter 32 of, of Exodus, uh, verses 31. It says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have sinned a great sin. They have made themselves gods of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive them their sin and, and you will erase me from the book that you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Too many times, we want to be grandfathered into the kingdom. You know, people say that, well, my, my grandfather or my dad or someone of relation or a friend was a pastor. Or I go to church. That's not enough. But God saw Moses' contrite heart. And he was begging that, you know what, let my soul be in exchange for these people, even though they have hurt me. And I'm thankful to know that that's something that I had to deal with in 2019. And it just recently that God's allowed me to be able to pray for my enemies, people that wanted to tear me down, people that wanted to see me no longer be a pillar in this community, you know, be a therapist and be able to share the gifts that God's given me. I didn't think I could even pick myself up at work. Too many times people at work would go, are you okay? Because they could see the physical pain that I was going through. But what's incredible is if you, if you see, uh, going over into the next chapter in verse 7, it says, now Moses took a tent and he pitched it outside the camp and at a distance from the camp, he called it to the tent of the meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and, Lord, and, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And check out this next verse. 
there in verse 11. It says, it says, And all the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the tent, and all the people rose up and worshipped. You know, it says that Moses was a friend of God. Too many times I can't be a friend to someone if I don't have a relationship with them. If I don't talk to them. You know, listen, I'm standing here this morning because Nicholas is sick. And so I sent Pastor Nicholas a text and I said, man, I miss you. It's not the same without you. I want him to know that I care about him. I'm thankful to know that this church has surrounded me. Because I needed friends. I needed a family in the Lord. I needed people that when I was broke and I didn't know where else to go, I came here. And there were hands that were laid upon me and people praying and begging God to move on my behalf. That's what Moses was doing. He was hurt and broken for these people. And he took his tent. He went into his own war room on their behalf. And the presence of God came down like a cloud. And it was here this morning and it's here now. The presence was so thick this morning, just like a fog. And they said that we had freezing fog last night. I was driving home and couldn't even see the lights. I'm glad to know that this morning, because the presence of God, I can see clearly. Because He is the light. Moses spoke to him face to face. What a beautiful conversation that must have been. There's nothing like going to someone and they're hurting and being there. So many times I don't even know what to say. But being there face to face, that's what God does for us. And if you read on down into verse 13, it says, Now if I have indeed found favor with you, teach me your ways. Too many times we're seeking our way. And I know that you will find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And going on down into verse 17, it says, The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing for you that you have asked. For you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Yes. Man, what a friend we have in God. Yes. And Moses asking me, he said, then show me your glory. Yes. And I can tell you this, because this is what God's able to do. If we pray, and, and whatever we're going through, people can see that we're hurting. I've shared that with you about myself. It may be drugs. It may be alcohol. It may be an addiction. I'm glad to know that when God shows up and He shows His glory, He changes us on the inside. And then there's a physical change. Because it says that Moses hid behind the cleft of the rock and God came by. And when He came down from the mount, a glow was about Him. I'm glad to know 2019 was the hardest year of my life, Pastor. But I'm glad to know that people have seen me and said, What's different about you? You seem like you're the happiest you've ever been. Somebody in here this morning needed to hear that. That's why I believe Nicholas is sick. And I hate that my brother is sick, but it's because I needed to be able to open up and say, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. Prayer changed my life. And it will change this community if we do the same. Another story in the Old Testament is about the king of Judah. His name was Hezekiah. You can read about him in 2 Kings and Isaiah and 2 Chronicles. He was the king of Judah at a time when they had been ravaged 
by neighboring kingdoms. All of Israel and Judah had been split and their people had been taken captive. And we're not talking about for a few years, we're talking about a few hundred years. And during that time, only two kings actually followed the commandments, commandments of the Lord and kept the covenant that the Lord had made with them. And Hezekiah was one of those kings. He knew that prayer made a difference. I'd like to start by, I'm going to do this kind of like they do on TV sometimes. They'll say, present day, okay? So this is going to be the present day for Hezekiah. Let's look at 2 Kings 20, verses 1 through 6. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. The first thing that came to my mind about this was that for Hezekiah, when he received this devastating news, it wasn't his second, third, fourth, fifth line of defense to pray. It was the first thing he did. And he also had an attitude of prayer. In this particular version of his prayer... He doesn't even ask God to spare his life. It just says that he reminded the Lord of what, how he had tried to live holy before him. And then it said he wept bitterly. He didn't have a bad attitude and ask why and, and, and what's going on here and I don't understand. You know what I've been through. But he simply reminded the Lord and he wept bitterly. And God changed his mind and added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. Now, like they do on TV, 14 years earlier. Let's talk about that. Because Hezekiah and his God had a past together. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 29. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. So this means that he was 39. Yeah, I could do a little math when he was ill and prayed and the Lord healed him. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. Let's skip to verse 3. In the first month of the first year of his reign, I want to repeat that. I want to make sure you get it. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. In other words, he did everything different. He turned them upside down. He brought in the priest and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side, and said, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defilement from the sanctuary. Let's skip to verse 10. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, 
Do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him and to minister before him. So what's going on here? You've got this new whippersnapper, 25 years old, that has taken over the kingdom, and he is turning everything upside down. He tore, we're not going to read it, but you can read it for yourself in another chapter of 2 Kings. He tore all their idols down made of stone and wood. He tore down all their Asherah poles that they had set up. And he repaired the temple and restored it to the use that it was supposed to have in the first place, which was prayer. And so, he, no doubt, he made lots of enemies. And we're thinking, well, this is a Bible story about a king. You know, this is, this is back in those Bible days, things are different. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we can rally the troops just like Hezekiah did. We can get in our homes, in our workplace, in our church, we can get our people together and say, okay, listen up. This is what we're going to do. We're going to restore things and bring prayer back in our lives so that God can move the way he intended to move. So that he can fulfill his covenant that he promised us that he would do. That's what we're going to do. You see, Hezekiah had this relationship that grew into trust with his God. So when he prayed not to die, he had a sincere faith that God saw him and heard him. It wasn't the first time he prayed. He had a history of prayer. And then in the present he prayed for healing. And then in the future, if you read the rest of his story, he prayed. At one point, uh, the the king of Assyria was laying such uh, trouble on him and and saying, we're going to take you over. And somebody brought him the plans. And he laid them out before the Lord, the Bible says. He says, now, Lord, you see this? This is what they plan to do to us. (laughs) But I'm giving it to you. I'm relying on you to take over and move. He was in the habit of praying it forward, Pastor Sean. (laughs) He prayed it forward. He didn't wait until tragedy struck to form that relationship of prayer with his God. Here's the thing. When we sincerely talking about his attitude of how he wept bitterly, when we sincerely desire his will for our lives, no matter what happens when we're confronted with tragedy, trouble, trial, we can be confident that God cares about what happens to us. He's sensitive to what we're going through, and he will always, not sometimes, he will always do what's best for us. Will it always be what we want? No, because what's best for us is to fulfill His plan and His purpose in our lives. When my mom passed when I was barely 18 years old and had just graduated high school, I couldn't see how that could fulfill any kind of good purpose in my life. I couldn't see it. And then when my dad died the next year, I certainly couldn't see it. But all the while, as I've gotten older, now old as dirt, I looked around up here a while ago at all these young people. But now, all these years later, I can look down through time and I can see God's handprint even on those tragedies. My mom wasn't supposed to die. She was nine years younger than my dad. 
She was a praying godly woman with a lot of faith. I just knew God was going to bring her through this surgery she had. I just knew it. But he saw fit to work a different way. Did I get mad at God and pout? No. Because I had prayed for his sincere will. Let me remind you of something. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before his crucifixion, do you remember that prayer? Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, in our little finite human minds, we can't always understand God's ultimate purpose. Which is not, not to settle this place, let me tell you. We are going somewhere. We are going to a place where there won't be any more heartache. There won't be any more trouble. There won't be any more sorrow. And we'll all understand it better by and by. <laughs> so that's the thing. We can rest in the assurance that God is sovereign. And that He loves us with an unimaginable love. And I could go on and on about how God has uh, allowed me in particular and other people to suffer grievous things, only later to see why the hand of God over it. It wasn't because he was mad at us. It wasn't because he, he didn't care about us. It wasn't because he was trying to get us. It wasn't even because he didn't hear us. You know, the Bible teaches if we sincerely seek his will when we pray that he will hear us he will and and you know what sometimes he'll change his mind like he did with hezekiah but you know what every time prayer changes us it changes us it helps us to come into agreement with what he wants and his will amen Amen. I don't know about you, but I believe when you pray that God will reveal things when you pray. Amen. I believe that God will start to reveal things whenever the, His people start to pray just a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And in the second year of, King Nezer, of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep, sleep left him. Then Daniel went to his house and made a declaration, made a decision to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven, considering the secrets, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. But the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And whenever I was started, I started thinking about Daniel just a little bit. And, and I read a quote by George Washington that said this. He said, a few men have virtue to withstand the highest bidder. 
And I started thinking about that just a little bit. And, and Lincoln, what started really burning my soul is how so many people today in the church, we've sold out God for a whole lot of different things today. Listen, we don't get into the presence of God because we sell Him out for things that, that are less than what He has in store for us. We, God's got a plan and He's got a purpose for each and every one of us. And He wants us to seek it out. Listen, the only way that we can truly find a treasure is if we dig for it. And God is saying, I want you to dig after me. I want you to come after me. But so many times in the church we're selling out for less than what God has in store for us because we don't pray the way that we're supposed to pray. You see, I started looking because we're not paying the price, but I started thinking about Daniel and I started thinking about a man that started paying the price, how, how he wouldn't, he wasn't going to sell out when everybody else around him was selling out. Everybody else was eating from the king's table. They were eating the meat. They were drinking from the cup. But Daniel knew that he was set apart. And I'm telling you, there's somebody here in the house that needs to know this morning that God has set you apart for a reason. You're not just here because it's by accident, by circumstance, but God has a plan for you this morning. And I'm going to tell you, you may say, you know what, I feel like the long ranger sometimes, but I'm going to tell you, God's got a plan for you this morning. But see, God, he, he was separate. He knew that he couldn't be like everybody else. He was willing to go against the grain when everybody else was going with the grain just a little bit. He was called to be separate because, you know what, not only did his life depend upon it, but his buddy's life's depended upon it. You see, it's not enough that you, that you just pray for yourself, but I'm going to tell you something. Last night, whenever I was praying, I felt a little hand that stuck on the bottom, uh, on my back just a little bit. And I felt a little seven-year-old little girl that started praying with her daddy just a little bit. And I said, oh God, I said, I know now what's going on. It's just not about me, but it's about them. It's not about me, but I'm going to tell you, we got to know how to pray because I'm going to tell you something. It's about the one sitting next to you. It's about these up here. It's about your family. It's time that we learn to pray. Listen, we can't sit no longer, but we have to get back to prayer. Hey, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when the church will begin to pray, things are going to start to happen again. I believe that God's starting to call. I believe whenever the prayers go up, I believe the Holy Ghost will fall. I believe the broken will be mended. I believe marriages will be put back together. I believe that the sick will be healed. I believe that God will do exactly what He said He would do. Hey man, He's called us to be separate. He's called us not only to pray for ourselves, but He's called us to pray for our loved ones and our friends. You see, I believe whenever, I, I believe that something starts to happen whenever the church starts to pray. I believe whenever his buddy started praying, I believe that the house started shaking a little bit. I believe that they felt the glory of God just start to fall in the house. When was the last time that you felt the glory of God fall in the house? I'm going to tell you something. We need the glory more now than ever. You see, because the Bible said where there's two or three that's gathered, he said, there am I in the midst. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 12. He said, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three-folded cord is not quickly broken. I'm going to tell you something. There's something about numbers. There's something about some numbers and strength. And I look around this morning and I see a lot of people. Hey man, I'm going to tell you something. We're strong when we stand together. Hey man, I'm telling you something. We're strong when we pray together. I'm going to tell you something. We're strong whenever we rise up in our spirit and we say, you know what, devil? I'm sick and tired of you telling me and I'm sick and tired of you running rough shot over me because no more, because today I'm going to take back everything that you stole from me. I'm going to enlarge my territories because it's mine. I wish somebody would get aggressive and put their hands together and help me preach just a little bit. 
Amen. I just truly believe. Amen. Stretch your hands toward heaven. Oh, God, we thank you right now for your word. God, we thank you for speaking to us, Lord. We thank you for your awesome power, Lord. God, I ask you right now, Lord, that you would just, God, place that inside of our hearts, Lord. God, I praise you, Lord, and I thank you for that right now. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. I believe that the adversary is raising up. I believe that he's coming in like a flood, but I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard. 
And I'm going to tell you, I believe whenever Karen, when the Lord was speaking, I believe that's what the Lord spoke to me. And He said, the only way that you're going to be able to raise up the standard that I have before you is only going to become through prayer. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, it took salvation. The only way that I could give my heart to Jesus is whenever I got on my hands and knees and I prayed. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't broken 25 years ago, and I'm going to tell you something. It's not broken today. It's going to still take the same prayer that I took 25 years ago. It's the same prayer that's going to get me through today. Listen, it's not going to come through a book. It's not going to come through a TV evangelist. It's not going to come through anything else but through my prayer and through my blood. I'm going to tell you, we need the prayer back into the church. Hey man, we need prayer more now than ever. And, I, and you may come in, you say, you know what, I may look weak, I may be brittle, I may not look like I have a, a lot that I could do physically, but I'm going to tell you something, it's whenever we get on our knees, I believe that you become a, a spiritual incredible hulk. I believe that you start to hulk up a little bit, and I believe the devil will start to fear and tremble whenever we start to get into God's presence. Yes. Hey man, in Daniel chapter 2, verse number 23, this is what Daniel said whenever the Lord revealed it to him. He said, I thank you. And I praise you. I don't know, is there anybody that's got a praise in the house right now? Come on, I wish somebody would just get a Pentecostal praise in the house and act like you're saved and you're on your way to heaven this morning. Come on, shout out by. I believe we can do a little bit better. He's awesome, God, this morning. Amen. He said, I'll thank you and I'll praise you, O God of my fathers. For you have given me wisdom, and you've given me might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the King's demand. Oh, I believe whenever we pray, I believe that He'll start to reveal things to you. I don't know about you, but I had a little praying Baptist grandma. Whenever she, whenever I would be out and I'd be doing things in the world, she'd come up and she said, Why do you, I don't know. But she said, last night, she said, the Lord started speaking to me. She knew that I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. But I'm going to tell you, it was because of the power of God that was on a praying grandma that kept me. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. You need to be praying for your kids. You need to be praying for your family. You need to be praying for your spouse. You need to be praying more now than ever. Hey, man, I'm telling you, I believe God's calling the church back to prayer. You see, it's whenever God's people starts to pray, that's whenever the adversary I have to start leaving. You see, you want to know why you're going through all the hell that you're going through? It's because you're not pressing like you used to press. It's because we're not going like we used to go. I'm going to tell you, whenever they started praying and the enemy and God revealed the dream to them, not only was Daniel and his buddies, but you know what? They were promoted to positions that were in high authority. Yes. You may be in here, listen, you're looking at a boy that's this, this dyslexic, can't hardly read at times, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I believe that God said He would take the foolish things of the world and He would confound the wise. God's just looking for somebody that says, you know what, I'm just crazy enough to believe that you can do in me what you said that you can do. And you watch what God will do. He'll start to elevate you. He'll start putting in you in positions where you were never supposed to be. But God will do exactly what He wants to do in and through you. You see, and not only that, but Daniel become a spiritual influence not only to one, two, but to three different kings. You see, I'm going to tell you, people will start noticing what's going on in your life and they'll say, you know what, Chris? I want what you got. The glow that you have inside of you. You know what, Lincoln, whenever you walk the halls of your high school, they're going to say, there's something different about you than there was last year. What is it? What's going on in your life? Then you can tell them, you know what, that's what Jesus done to me. But you see, it, they had no idea that God was going to place them. When it, but whenever you begin to pray, whenever you begin to believe, whenever you begin to expect, God will show up and He'll answer your prayer. Yeah. Yeah.
You see, this, this morning, right here this afternoon, we're, we're getting ready to have an altar call. And I promise you, whatever need that you have before God, He can meet you right in this altar. Listen, I believe that whenever in the Old Testament, you can read many times that they built altars. And listen, if there's one thing that we need to do, including in my life, last night I said, God, I said, let me repair my altar. God, let me repair my altar so I can sacrifice my life on that altar once again. Lord God, please let us get back to a place where we learn how to pray. Today, whenever they come, get into these altars and God will answer your prayer. Amen. Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt totally surrounded by the enemy? Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like you were drowning in your problems? Well, I want to talk about Elijah for a minute. You see, in 2 Kings 6, verses 16 through 17, it says, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, Elisha prayed for God to reveal his power to his servant. You see, there was a king that was pretty angry with Elisha at this point because Elisha was a prophet of God. And he was walking under that prophetic anointing. He was walking under the anointing and the power that the Lord had upon him. And this, and this king was angry that Elijah was going ahead and prophesying and telling what his next step was. So they knew. So when his servant, um, when his servant woke up one morning, as we see in verse 15, and he said that he was, that the, that the city was surrounded by this king and the Sumerians. You see, when the servant Elijah in verse 15 of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and with chariots. And he said to Elijah, he said, Master, what will we do? What will we do, Master? See, because Elijah servants saw the enemy surrounding the city where they were because the king said go get Elijah go get him because he is messing up my plan you see when we begin to pray when we begin to talk to God we mess up the very plan of the enemy we mess up the very communication of what he once is trying to do in our lives and you see so Elijah had been talking to God God had been talking to Elijah and God began to to show the servant because he said you can see the servant was in panic he began to ask his master what will we do it's easy for us to get into a panic it's easy for us to get to begin to question god god what's my next step god what am i going to do see when we can get i out of the way when we can get ourselves out of the way and let god do exactly what his plan is we don't got to come up with anything we don't got to do anything because god already has our steps ordered you see it was when he looked out, he realized it's impossible. It's impossible for us to fight. And he said, what shall we do? But see, Elijah knew God was already in control. Elijah already knew who his God was. See, it's time for us to realize God's already in control. We already serve a God that's gone before us. You see, in verse 17, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. 
Then the Lord did what to his servant? He opened the eyes of the young man. The eyes of the young man no longer saw the army that had been sent. But you know what he saw? And it said, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. God had sent a mighty army to overshadow them, to cover them, to protect them. And even though there's times in your life you may feel surrounded. There's times in your life where you may feel like it's all caving in. There's times in your life where you feel like you can open the window for just a moment. But you look out and you're all surrounded by the enemy. But if you look out through the eyes of God. If you let God show you through his eyes. You will see nothing but the fire of God surrounding your life. You see, when we allow God to reveal his power in our life, we'll begin to see like Elijah saw. We'll begin to see like his servant saw. But see, Elijah took it a little bit further. That's sometimes what we got to realize. We don't just stop when God does this. Sometimes we got to take it a little bit further. Because see, in verse 18, it says, So when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and he said, Strike this people, I pray with blindness and he struck them with blindness according to the word of God you know what Elijah did after that Elijah began to go to these men and he began to lead them where they needed to go there's some times in your life when the Lord will put things in your life that he will allow you to get control of with his help that you can begin to tell that enemy where to go you can begin to open that door in your life and you can tell the enemy to get on out of here that's exactly what Elijah was doing he was telling them it's time for you to go Psalms 23 7 says though an army may encamp against me my heart shall not fear the war may rise against me and this will i be confident it's time that we be confident in who we are it's time that we be confident in who he is because when you pray when you seek the face of god you don't got to worry about whether you make the right decision or the wrong decision because when you're in communication with the father he will not lead you astray he will lead you exactly where he wants you to go if we could see god's army encircling us every day you see when elijah prayed his prayer gave his servant it gave it gave him the ability to no longer see with his fleshly eyes but see it gave him the ability to see with his spiritual eyes and that's what god is saying i don't want you to see through your own eyes but i want you to see through my eyes and the way we do that is through prayer when we when these altars become open don't sit back in your seat because i promise you one thing if you will step out even though you may feel surrounded if you will step out of your seat you are saying to the enemy i'm going to step out of this situation i'm going to bring it to the altar i'm going to lay it right here and i'm going to give it to god because i may be surrounded but i'm confident in who i am this morning They'll come to the music this morning. What an awesome job by all of these. I want to share one passage with you in Acts chapter 12, verses uh, beginning with verse 1. 
Peter had been thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. The word said it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. Watch this. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and he woke him up and he said, Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and they came to the iron gate leading out of the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The Bible said then Peter came to himself. Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Did you catch that? Where many people were gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhonda came to the answer of the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You are out of your mind, they said. Uh, when she just kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But when Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. Verse 5 says, But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. If we underestimate anything in this modern church today, it is the power of prayer. Did you hear me? If we underestimate anything in the modern church today, it is the power of prayer. Why do you say that? Because when trouble comes, when it strikes our house, we're often allowed the shock the devastation or the situation, whatever it may be, to overtake us, to overwhelm us. And we talk to our family about it. We talk to friends about it. We exhaust every effort that we can seeking for help. But many times we forget that Mark 9 and 29 said, So he said to them, this kind can come by nothing but prayer and fasting. We forget that Matthew 7 and 7 said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 21 and 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe. Mark 11 and 24. Therefore I tell you, here it is again, whatever you ask God for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God. In every situation, in every circumstance, present your request to God. Ephesians 6 and 18. And pray in the Spirit 
What's been going on around here has been some praying in the Spirit. I think we see the fruit and the evidence of praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Stand with me, if you would, all over the house today. I want you to hear this because we're getting ready to open this altar. When Peter was put in prison, the church went to prayer. They didn't just talk about it and send out a text message prayer request. Hello. They didn't just talk about it and send a request or comment on Facebook and say, we're praying for you. Are you really? No. They got in an altar. They dedicated and consecrated a place to God and they got down and prayed. They went to prayer. They were praying when they locked him up and when they bound him in chains. They were praying when the guards were posted at the entrance. Listen, they didn't stop praying just because things looked bad. Hello. They didn't give up praying just because the situation seemed hopeless. They were praying when they locked him up. But they were still praying when the Lord sent an angel by that said, quick, get up, Peter. They were still praying. What was the church doing when the chains fell off of Peter? They were praying. What were they doing when the angel just led him out of that prison? They were praying. What were they doing when the iron gate opened all by itself? They were still praying. And you know what I love more than anything about this passage? What were they doing when Peter walked out of that prison as a free man? All the way to Mary's house and he knocked on the door. They were still inside on their knees praying. Why are you telling me that, Pastor? I'm telling you that because before they ever got off their knees, God had already showed up on the scene and had done what only God can do. Before they ever got off their knees, the Bible said they were astonished. They were surprised. I believe that we would find if we pray, if we pray, I believe that we would find sometimes God would answer our prayers so quickly it would surprise us. It would shock us. So maybe you're here today and you need to trust God for something like Hannah did. I want to ask these ministers if they will to join me in this altar. Maybe you're here today and you need to trust God for something like Hannah did. You know what your situation is. Maybe you're here today and you're hungry for more of God. You need to ask Him to surround you with His presence and His glory like He did Moses. Maybe you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've received a diagnosis and you want to ask God to change his mind for you like he did for Hezekiah. I believe he still does that. Maybe you need to prove yourself a praying believer like Daniel who didn't just pray and believe but he expected when he prayed that God would answer. Maybe you need to ask for God's power and his protection just like Elisha did. But can I tell you, he's waiting on you to ask. And this one wasn't scheduled, but maybe you were like the Holy Spirit spoke about this morning and you're looking everywhere else for the answer. And you're reading everything else but the Word. And you're listening to every other report but God's report. And maybe you need to come today and say, I want to know what you have to say about it, God. Or maybe you need to ask. Maybe somebody you love is in a situation. Or maybe you are in a situation just like Peter. And you need God to show up and do what only God can do. While the church prayed, God did it. While they were praying, He was working. I believe God's going to do something. He did it at 845. I believe He's getting ready to do it again in this altar today while we pray. Who 
will step out from where you are right now all over this room, I want to ask you, please don't let anything stupid hinder you like worrying about what people think about you. You need God to move in a situation. Almost every one of us in this room could testify to that. Would you step out from where you are right now all over this room and begin to flood this altar? We're going to pray today with you and for you. That's it. Don't let anything stop you. Don't look around us. Don't let anybody stop you from coming. You know what you have need of from God. Step out and flood these altars. We're going to pray with you and for you. And if there's somebody here today that wants to be anointed, we'll anoint you and pray for you. But I believe while we're praying, right now you can't see it. But in the heavenlies, things are already beginning to happen. Why?